president of the soccer, Deaf Soccer Association asking if I'd be interested in the, in the volunteer job that was the head, head coach of the Deaf team. And I actually was extremely excited. I'm Carrie Taylor, and this is Women Talking Football. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in tonight to Women Talking Football. Sorry we're a little delayed. We had some technical difficulties, but we're back online. Uh, Women Talking Football is presented to you by Soccer Nation, and tonight we have Rosalie Cram on the line. Rosalie, how's it going? Great. So thanks for your patience. We really appreciate it. So we're going to get started here, and can you just give us a little bit of your background? Sure. Um, well, I was born in La Mesa, a suburb of San Diego. My father was a passionate German soccer fan, so I grew up on a soccer field. I started refereeing soccer at 13 because my dad said, as long as you're always on a soccer field, you might as well make some money. And girls were not allowed to play soccer when I was growing up. There was no organized soccer for women. No, None at all? No. No, not in La Mesa. Okay. So I would play with my brothers on the field and uh, their friends, but I was super frustrated because I wasn't allowed to play in a game. And then uh, I became a court reporter, and now I'm one of the owners of the Football Factory, a training school in East Lake, San Diego, that trains children technique of soccer. Awesome. Well, we'll get into the Football Factory stuff in a little bit, and we're going to patch in your um, business partner, Juan Carlos, on that in a little bit. But Speak to me a little deeper about all your refereeing because you're being way too humble with everything um, because your story is so, it's so unique. And, and you know, being a, f- a female referee and, and one of maybe one of one or one of very few, can you just kind of walk us through some of your stories and how your refereeing journey actually came about? Sure. Well, like I said, my dad um, was a soccer fanatic, and I was a soccer fanatic, and I was always on the field playing. And then when I was 13, my dad said, as long as you're on the field, you might as well start making some money. So I started refereeing little kids. I'd get on my bike every Saturday morning, ride to the field, referee four games, ride home. And then when I was 16 on Sundays, I started also officiating the men's leagues, starting as a linesman. The men's leagues. And how did that? How did the that? Men's league. Yeah. How did they look at you when you showed up? Well, starting the men's they leagues. Were, I was definitely considered an oddity, and a lot of people were angry because I was on the field. And like I've told people, you know, I was a really nice girl um, that was very sincere and trying to be a good referee and do a good job. And I was excited to be a part of the sport, and I wish I were playing, but I was a referee. Right. And it was it was interesting, particularly at 13, 14, 15, 16, to walk on a field and having people angry saying, oh, my God, a chick referee, because I'm a girl. Right. And, and a lot of them wanting me to fail. So I had to learn a lot as far as survival and leadership and trying to figure out how to combat this because I have a really competitive personality and I was not going to let them beat me. Right. So I, I just kept refereeing and refereeing. I was refereeing every weekend. I refereed high school games. I went and uh, refereed college games, NCAA games. And when I was 18, I was invited to be a fourth official in the North American Soccer League. 
Ooh. And so that that so I was 18 years old. 18 years old, and you're a female referee in a pro league. Right. That's amazing. It was it was really very exciting, and it great. It gave me so many opportunities to meet so many interesting people, and being a female, I stood out. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I had the opportunity. Pele came to shake my hand when he was in San Diego for the soccer bowl. And, and some teams, some players really respected having a female and liked it. Some players, some teams were angry and just gave me a lot of abuse. But I learned to deal with it. Right. And it, and it made you stronger. And now, now you can help other female referees and, and be a mentor to them, which is what you're, you know, you're kind of doing now, correct? Right. Right. It it did uh, teach me a lot of strength. And I'll say this, too. You know, I referee a lot. And by the time I got out of high school, I had $35,000 in the bank from refereeing soccer games. And now I was able to use that when I turned 25 to start my co-reporting company. So refereeing gave me so many different things that I can't even begin to tell you, as well as leadership. And like you said, I, um, I'm now working with SoCal South in mentoring women, girl referees, in their future as far as if they want to go to college, if they want to go into business, if they want to brainstorm with someone who's been in their shoes and to what the future can be for them, which I think is really exciting. Right. Yeah, no, I think that that that's the the one thing that that we talk about um, a a lot of times is that within the game, we focus just on the coaching and the playing and not enough on you know, having other ways to get involved in the game. Um, and refereeing is one of the, one of the big ones because without refereeing, we can't have the game. <laughs> so it's like right. the most, you know, minus the players, it's like the second most important piece of everything. So you talked about the abuse that, that you faced and, and we always try to keep it super positive on the show, but I really, I'm really interested because you know, your experiences as a female referee, you were a pioneer and, and, and that, you know, I, I'm really interested to hear like how you overcame those challenges or, or any specific stories that like stand out, um, in your mind. Well, I remember, um, when I was young, you know, people were screaming, yell at me and they always, obviously referees, all referees get abuse, but I got special abuse being yeah, a female. Right. And one thing my dad did, he was um, he was a big, he was a referee as well. He started the San Diego Referee Association, and he used to have me be an official down by the border where everyone spoke Spanish, so I wouldn't understand what anybody said. Right. Which was an interesting way of dealing with it. <laughs> you're like, I'm, then tuna- I also, I'm tuning you out. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I have a feeling these people are saying really mean things, but I'm not really sure what it is. Right. Um, and I also made a promise to myself when I was about 15, I I said I will never let any of these people see me cry or that they got to me. Mm-hmm. So I always I was I would be at least two or three blocks away in my car before I would break down because people really do try to hurt a yeah. referee and um, and when they see a female then they they really did not want me there right. and somehow or some way they felt threatened I'm not sure and I finally came to the res- re- um, the revelation that these people are all nuts. And it's their problem and not mine right. that uh, that I'm there. So I just learned to really, I shake a coach's hand harder than uh, maybe another referee would and send a message. And when I walk on the field, I try to send a message. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, and I'll also say this, I had some fantastic men 
referee mentors that really respected me because I was in the man's locker room most of my teenage years. Right. And everybody was there was very respectful. They wanted me to do well. And I'm so grateful to everyone that helped me get through um, being you know, one of the first professional female referees yeah. in a men's league. Yeah. That, I mean, you're, I just, I love it. I love your story is just so unique and, and amazing. And, you know, it's, it, it, it stinks that you had to endure, you know, abuse and, and you talk about like being a couple blocks away and crying. I mean, I, I can identify in a couple, in, in a couple ways as I used to be a, a college coach of a men's division three team. And, you know, the opposing team and the fans would kind of heckle me or, or say just like not cool things. And, and so I can definitely identify with, with those similar feelings that, that you probably had, um, you know, in your journey. Yeah. You know, and I was lucky because my dad came to most, a lot of my games and he actually, um, he would not allow me to not look strong. Right. He would not allow me to, to cry. I mean, I, and, um, and he also taught me to make parents sit in the car. I know there was a couple times where I had a coach that was very abusive. And this is just doing little kids. I was probably about 14. And I made, I stopped the game and said, you're going to go sit in your car until, the, until um, or this game is over. And he's yelling at me, you can't make me sit in the car. This is America. And I said, you're going to sit in this car, in your car, and or else this game's done. And uh, And I use that for different reasons during my refereeing career. Um, because not only would I see abuse towards me, but if I ever, ever saw abuse towards any of the players, I, I was just so mad right. that I would um, stop it immediately. I remember one time it was a girls game, 10 year olds. And one of the moms yelled at her daughter, you can catch her. She's fat. Oh. And that made me so angry. Oh my gosh. I stopped the game and I made that woman sit in her car Good for you. She was angry. But I cannot, even to this day, if I go watch kids' soccer, I cannot just sit there and watch abuse happen towards a referee or other kids. Yeah. Well, and you, you bring up a good point with that. And, and I think within our game as it stands now, that there's so much referee abuse going on from coaches and from fans. And, and you know, it's, it's a thankless job. That's I, I refed for a summer in college and I couldn't I couldn't take it because I wanted to yell back at the the people on the sidelines. I was like, whoa, OK, this isn't for me because I my my skin was too thin for it. So, um, you know, what advice can you give to referees on how to deal with maybe taking abuse, be it male or female referees like, you know, putting an end to yeah. to the abuse that goes on out there? Well, I think there's one thing if a coach or a player is saying, hey, I think that was offside or I think that guy got pushed. And it's a different thing when they start really going after you as a person. Mm -hmm. And um, so my, I, I say always be strong, even though you might be quivering inside. A lot of, another thing that I learned really early on is to just pretend, act as if. Right. And I would just pretend I was someone who's totally in control and I used to try to use uh, like a Marine as a, in my mind, I'm going to pretend I'm a Marine right now. Mm -hmm. And like I said, shake hand hard and be very demonstrative, be very strong with the whistle. 
And if someone is over going over the line, don't be scared to use your cards, yellow or red. Right. If it's a parent sitting in the sideline, the game's over until that person's out. Right. So and just know that you are right. Yeah. So talk about some of the you mentioned um, Pele coming over to shake your hand. What are what are some highlights and, and positives and, and are there any really like memorable games yeah. or moments that, that you want to share with, with people that are listening? Yeah, I remember the the team, the Heart, and from Scotland. They were they were all came over, shook my hand. They were really proud to see a female. I know the Italian Americans. They love seeing a female. It was <laughs> funny because I could the, the the different teams from the men leagues. They like to separate themselves in different their nationalities. Mm-hmm. And so I even learned a little bit of Arabic and a little uh, Persian and a little of this and that, so I can talk to them. But um, a lot of these teams really were very um, respectful mm-hmm. once they understood that I was there to do a good job and I was really trying hard. Right. And, I, I, you know, I got to referee Rod Stewart and I got to referee different people that were uh, – it was exciting. It's an exciting thing to be a referee because you are in the middle and you're controlling a game. Right. So when you, when you watch a, a soccer game now, are, are you – watching the referees movements are you watching the game as a fan like do you how does how does that work because it's it's hard like being a coach if I'm watching a professional game I try to I'm always like analyzing like oh this player should go here or what formation are they playing can you do you do the same thing when you when you watch games I make my husband crazy I (laughs) I can anticipate an offside and I'm I'm watching the the how the you know as a referee you have to anticipate play as a huge part of being successful mm-hmm. and anticipate problems and anticipate everything. So I'm always watching the referee and the linesman or the uh, the assistant referees and, and watching their positioning and, and their calls. And I'm very proud when they do a great job. Right. I was really incredibly proud of the women referees in the last Olympics. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, I have to say, when I see them come on the field, I tear up because I know what what it went what they've gone through to get where they where they are right and i'm just so incredibly proud to see them i was um i was told i was going to go to the first women's world cup and there was a group of women that were going to go in china and then they pulled us and sent men oh. and things like that would happen and it would just break my heart a little bit mm-hmm. but um but it was worth it being a referee for all those years yeah no it's and and you mentioned like you you saved what thirty five thousand dollars and and I mean that that's you put some time in a lot of <laughs> you put some you put some hours in there like that that is very you know that's that's some time so um so when yeah. did when did you when did you get off the field and and what um what was it hard to step away it was it was really hard I was um. 32, and I didn't know how to stop because there's always another game or a bigger game. And and between running a court reporting firm and um, refereeing at that level was every week and every night. I was always, you know, going to Olympic Training Center, going to L.A. I hadn't had a date in eight years, and I just thought <laughs> I really need a life. You're like, I need a social <laughs> life. This this is great, but... <laughs> I need something more than that. But So I kind of went cold turkey, uh-huh. and I know... Um, and I just told all the signers, I, I'm not going to be refereeing anymore. And they were shocked and maybe angry and begging me to come back. 
but I, I just stopped and had nothing to do with soccer, uh, other than maybe watching a World Cup here or there for until I was 47. Right. And I was feeling just kind of depressed and and sad and really missing it. And I I knew a group of guys that would kick the ball around on Thursday nights and. So they invited me to come play, and then I started. I found the joy again. Just playing, I got to play finally, mm-hmm. and I and I, I later turned into to be their coach. It's an over fifty men's team, mm-hmm. and that's how I met Juan Carlos Pazzi Puente, um, one of the, my partners at the football factory. Okay. Well, now that you bring up Juan Carlos, we're gonna try try this. We're gonna try to patch him in. So. Hang on to that thought, and we're going to okay. give him a call because we're going to start to talk about the football factory. So we're going to just hang on the line there for a second. We're, we're trying a new thing. I do this podcast from my house, so it's uh, it's always a fun adventure trying new things. So hang on. We're calling. Does he go by JC or Juan Carlos? Uh, JC. Okay. Okay, you're going to be on hold for just a second. Hey, Juan Carlos, this is Carrie from Women Talking Football. How are you? Good, good. Rosalie, are you on the line as well? I'm here. Good. It worked. Yay. So Juan Carlos, <laughs> welcome. Welcome. We had we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we worked through it. So we just um, started talking and we brought up the football factory. So perfect. Um, it's a good segue. Can do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and maybe speak about that? And we can we can chat about the, the football factory and all the wonderful things that that you both uh, provide for the community and, and the kids. Sure, okay. sure. Uh, uh, thank you for for giving me the chance to talk to to you guys. Absolutely. Uh, I am uh, originally from Mexico City. I am a musician. Um, all my life has been producing music, arranging, composing, and doing things with music. Uh, my, <laughs> the, the Football Factory is, is like the latest uh, crazy thing that I have done personally, uh, but my background is with music. Okay. And part of that was uh, a, a music school in Mexico City. So that um, is why we decided to create like a soccer school instead of just a training facility. Okay. So the first thing that is is good to to know is that the football factory was um, thought as a place to learn and a place where we can teach the kids the the technique. So that's a little bit of my background and why we started where we started. Okay. So, um, is it for all, I'm on your website now, is it for all ages? Is it for, for anybody? Do you have adult leagues? Just kind of walk um, us through originally what it is. For, Yeah, originally for kids, it's for all ages. Okay. Uh, we don't really have a, uh, age limit, uh, but mostly or mainly for kids from four years old to, uh, 17. Okay. Uh, the idea is to, uh, give them sessions uh, twice a week or once a week where they can come and learn the the basic, the technique or, or the fundamentals mm-hmm. in a very fun way, in a very easy and enjoyable way. Uh, they can develop and learn how to play. 
Right. Um, something that we saw at the beginning in uh, the whole soccer scene in San Diego was that there are lots of clubs, lots of teams and coaches, and little kids, when they say, hey, daddy, I want to play soccer, suddenly they have to wear shin guards, cleats, socks, a uniform. Mm-hmm. They have a coach. They have a team. They have a training session, and then they have a game, and they have a bunch of people yelling at them. Right. Like in one second. And then we were thinking, well, who is yeah. teaching them? Hey, 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 Juan Carlos, real quick. Are you on a cell phone? You're you're kind of cutting in and out. Is Can you go to maybe an area that the reception might be a little better? There, 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 you're good. Stand right there. Better. Don't, don't move. <laughs> don't move. Stand right there. Um, okay, sorry. Good. No, it's all good. It's all good. I know you're calling him for Boston, so you're like staying up late for us, so we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, no problem. Good. We can hear you perfect. So um, you said, uh, kind of repeat what you said. You, you said if someone wants to play soccer, they say, hey, I need shoes, I need chin guards, I need, and just kind of go from Yes, there. the kids are, are just, um, they just start playing something that they have no clue how to do it. Right. And for the coaches, it's very difficult to have 15 kids from different levels with different interests and uh with one hour a week just to try to organize them, it takes some time. So it's very difficult to take one kid and show him how to trap the ball, how to make a pass, how to shoot. Uh, and then they have a game and then it's all this, everybody running after uh, the ball and around it and parents yelling and they want to win. And and then it was coming from the music school and that, that uh, part of my life for me, it was pretty obvious, and we, Rosalie and I, would talk a lot about who is teaching them. Right. And and then when we started and we told the parents that we teach the technique, they were asking us, "What is that? Mm-hmm. What technique? What what do you mean?" And technique technique means only how to do something. So, it it was like a very interesting way of starting, and when we develop our own method how to to do it with the kids uh, and we saw the results it, it was very exciting because we knew that we were doing something good for them right um so is what we do but it's it's um is is bigger than it seems is is more profound than what people can think at first right um so uh, if I can give you an example. Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, just knowing how to trap the ball, no? Right. Uh, if you don't know how to trap it, if you don't, if you can't get it, then you can't play because you don't have it. Right. Uh, at early ages, uh, at six, seven, um, mostly all the passes that one player is getting from his teammates or her teammates it's not a great pass. Right. So they better know how to get that ball and how to trap it. Sometimes it's going to be too fast, too far, too close, too slow, too high. So trapping is a key um, action that when you get it and you understand how to do it, then that gives you a little bit more time to look up, to look around, 
and to think and create and invent the next play. Right. And I and then and I think yes. yeah, I think you're touching on key points here with just with technique and and that's a big piece of what everybody's saying oh the u.s is lacking in technique 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 because we've Mm -hmm. become so focused on winning and Mm -hmm. we don't focus on the little things so you know i i definitely i definitely agree with 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 everything that you're saying how and you guys aren't associated you're you're your own uh company you're not associated with any clubs has there been any pushback from any of the clubs and and what does that look like well, that is a, a pretty sad story because uh, we really believed in, in what we and we believe in what we're doing, and we develop method and we develop the method is for our instructors how to teach and how the sessions are uh, happening, what what is happening during sessions, and and the results are amazing. And then we, since the beginning, we saw this as a perfect collaboration with clubs. Right. Uh, like saying, we're going to make your players better players, no matter which level they are. It'll be easier for you as a coach. Right. To have a better team because you will have better players individually. So let us do that. And what we got from many coaches, not all of them, some, but a lot. <laughs> Is exactly the opposite. As soon as they get the kids that we are developing and the kids that didn't know how to play and now they are playing good, or the ones that were good and now are great, as soon as they get them, they ask them to stop coming to us, Hmm. stop coming uh, with us. Uh, The reasons are unbelievable. Um, Like, yeah, you're going to get tired, and if you get tired, then you won't play this Saturday. And the kid is eight, no? <laughs> they never get tired. Right, right. Uh, or you're going to get injured. So that was very, very surprising. We never thought that that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a little bit or maybe a, a very naive uh, about that. But we believe in what we do and we see the results and you know what? Mostly, the, the most important part for us is that all these uh, abilities that you can develop in soccer, inventiveness, creativity, um, multitasking, uh, f- taking decisions super fast, uh, doing a lot of things, teamwork, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but especially inventiveness and creativity and improvisation, those are great abilities to have as a human being. Mm-hmm. And Soccer can give you that. Right. And it's horrible to see some coaches that they don't really care about that. And they are stopping the kids from learning that, forget about soccer for their own lives. Yeah. So that was, that's why it was shocking and, and, and sad. But we are, we are pushing and we are fighting and we are not going to stop. Right. Rosalie, any any thoughts from you um, to follow up what Juan Carlos is, is speaking about? Yeah, you know, one thing, um, Juan Carlos and myself, our partners, we really truly care about the kids and the, and having them improve. One of the things that gives me joy is 
going down and watching particularly a child that starts off kind of clumsy and, and not very confident. And then I see them two or three months and they walk in confident and they're passing and they're trapping, they're confident. And they might not be the best athlete on the planet, but I can just see the difference in that child. And I also see the parent's face and how proud they are. And um, that to me is so fantastic. That's why I'm a part of this, mm-hmm. uh, the football factory. It's really, truly helping kids. We truly care about kids. And so when we see coaches or people that um, try to stop us or or say that, you know, something's going to happen to the kids, or it's it's really sad. But like Juan Carlos says, we're, we have a mission, and we're going to help these kids. And I love the fact to see the girls playing. And I we also started a women's program on Wednesday nights. And Tuesday nights we train women. So women come and train, and then Wednesdays we have a women's league. And they have a ball, and there's great players. There's not so great players. Everybody's there. That they, everybody wants everybody else to succeed. It's the best vibe you can find. So I'm really proud of the football factory and what's been created. And I'm really proud to have to be a partner with Juan Carlos because of his background in teaching. Um, we truly are teaching kids how to become better players. So anyway, I'm very proud. Yeah. But- Likewise, my friend. I love, I love it. It's great to work with, with people that have just a passion for, for similar things. And, and, um, you know, it's, I, I love what you guys do. And, and the ladies night, I'm, I'm on your website. I'm looking at that. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll drop in and play, play. Come on, You could be on my team. All right. And then we could beat everybody. There, yeah. I got to come out of retire. I played a little bit on uh Sunday and, and I got a little sore from it cause I, I haven't played in a while. I run straight you know, ahead, but the starting and stopping <laughs> for soccer, I'm a little off, but, but I'll, well, I'll probably check it out. Well, my team's in first place. Uh-oh. Now the pressure <laughs> is on me. Now, hey, I thought and, you guys weren't about winning. I'm the winning. only person in that league, <laughs> no, so kidding. there. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to hook up a Wednesday and I'm going to, I'm going to come drop in and, and, and see what we can do. So, um, your website is the football factory.us. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. And football F U T B O L factory.us. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you guys have any big, I see you do like birthday parties and, and you have camps coming up. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some big things, um, that we can kind of help push out there? Um, your summer camps or. We have the summer camps starting next week. Okay. Uh, four four hours per day from nine to one, five days a week. Okay. Um, they and we are starting uh, the new season of our league because we have a a league uh, Fridays at five, six, and seven, and Saturdays at nine, ten, and eleven a.m. Okay. Different ages, uh, mostly co-ed teams, and that's another great thing that combining. Uh, boys with girls, that is great for 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 girls. Absolutely, when they they get used to that physical contact, and they see that it's not that difficult, as they are smarter, <laughs> and usually better. <laughs> so they their confidence goes to to to, to the roof, yeah. and it's it's great. So we have that league. I think it's going to be the eighth season. We the good thing about our facility is that we can end one and start the next one immediately right uh, so there there are always chances to play uh we have a lot of uh, private sessions uh, two kids with one instructor mm-hmm. uh that is great and it's it's better to have two kids at the same level same weight same uh height uh, because 
as you know, soccer is collaboration, association, but also opposition. Yep. So you can take 200 shots and it's great, but when you have someone in front of you that is trying to stop you from doing that, everything changes. Yeah, the decision-making so, piece has to come in there. Absolutely, and and that is real, having someone that is, that is trying to stop you at every second. So those privates we are trying to do two kids together with one instructor. We have a lot of private sessions, uh, team sessions also, and the parents' league on Mondays, ladies' league on Wednesdays, and we are inventing everything that we can to survive <laughs> because if, if, if we don't create more things and we just sit and, and see how many of these coaches are trying to stop us, then it's going to be harder. But right. um, the key is to to keep giving a great product, delivering a great product that is technique and helping the kids to love the game and, and get addicted to it. No. Yeah. And I I mean, I I like, I like what you said there, get addicted to it and and find that passion for the game Mm -hmm. because, you know, I love hearing the fact that Rosalie you're, you're out there playing because that just shows that soccer, it's a lifetime. It's a, you know, you yep. fall in love with the game and you meet you meet new friends and you, you just immediately have these connections and you can be from wherever and you can look like whatever. And, you know, you can be rich, poor, you know, a woman, a man, Absolutely. doesn't matter. Like to me, that's the that's the thing that's so inspiring about the the game is that it's it's just it's everywhere it's the world sport and it's just it's for everyone and that that really kind of resonates with me and I want to kind of push that into our next little topic um Rosalie I saw you yesterday and and uh, it was great to see you at the San Diego City Council meeting and 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 speaking to the city council people um what what is your what's your kind of uh thoughts about the Mission Valley project and, and Soccer City San Diego and, and um, what maybe the soccer community in San Diego can do um, in, in a way to maybe come together to get the, the project going. What are your thoughts? Wow. Well, I was, you know, disappointed. I understand the city council members, what they're thinking. Um, but what I see is an opportunity for the people of San Diego, and let's face it, San Diego is a true melting pot. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the refugee center here, and if you go to Hoover High School, there are more languages spoken at Hoover High School than any high school in the United States. So we really truly represent the world in in, a, in San Diego, and I don't think there's anything that can unify the people, the different cultures, the different nationalities, everyone like soccer can. And to give everyone a sense of pride and have, having their own team, Juan Carlos had brought up the fact that the Cholos are across the border and it'd become a national or a natural rivalry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you said I play, I play Sundays and Wednesdays and the joy that it gives me is unbelievable. And so I think that the soccer city, the Mission Valley site would just give so many San Diegans joy and a, a sense of community and unity. And I truly respect the whole project. I pay attention. I'm not, I'm looking to see if someone's trying to take advantage of anyone, but I don't see that at all. I just really, truly think it's just a great, great opportunity for San Diegans. And I think the Mission Valley Center uh, is a perfect location. 
Yeah. Yep. Juan Carlos, what are your what are your thoughts? Um, I wish I could have been there. There's another there's another meeting <laughs> on the nineteenth. There's another meeting on the nineteenth. So we need they need Perfect. everybody out there that they can. I'll be there. Okay, sure. good. I'm I'm gonna now, write that down. <laughs> yes. No. No. Absolutely. Uh, I was there when the project was launched at the midway. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've been following the the whole thing since the beginning. Um, and there's something else. Uh, soccer for for the ones that that are coming from another country where soccer is like a religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is is uh, it takes some time to understand where is soccer in U.S. at this moment. And it's not that it's better or worse. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And many countries soccer is part of their lives and their cultures. Um, and it's not just about playing. It's about watching games, about playing PlayStation, about talking, about having discussions, about always having that conversation about yesterday's game. It was a PK or was not a PK. Right, it was a good right. call or not. It was, so it's part of our lives. Yeah. And having a team in, in San Diego can make all that part of our culture. And it's, it's necessary. It's part of the whole thing. It's, it's, um, it's what Rosalie said is, is completely true. It's, it's a best, the fastest way to integrate different cultures and people from different places. Right. Because it's a common language. Yes. Uh, you can go anywhere, take a ball that even can be flat or a can, yeah. an empty can or whatever, drop it, look at the guy and touch the, that thing and then automatically you know what to do yep so having a team that can put out put us all together and follow one thing would be great socially and and for the culture of soccer so if if that is not going to happen because of money i i i would be really 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 disappointed because uh i mean money there are ways to just put together a bunch of money and keep going yeah so that can't be the reason yeah. Well, the very dumb. Yeah, the project is is on, you know, it's living to see another day. So the the biggest thing that that needs to happen is uh you know, people like Rosalie and yourself Juan Carlos just anything that you can do to spread the word and get people to write and email and call their their city council people and to show up on June 19th would be I know very much appreciated from the soccer city people and, and um, you know, I don't live in San Diego and, and I'm a million percent b- behind the project and, and really believe in it because it's, it's a huge opportunity uh, as I see it. And every, like, yes. uh, you know, I've been out and about in San Diego and, and trying to just talk to people about it. And of all the, I've probably talked to over a thousand people and only two people I've come across have even been, have been against it. You know, everybody, it's almost mm-hmm. like everybody that you talk to is like, yeah, it'd be great. You know, like wh- what can I do to help? Let's get it done. You know, we, we would love to to buy tickets and, and just hang out in Mission Valley and, and have a great uh, enjoyment factor. And, and Rosalie, I think yeah. you brought that up as, as the joy in the community and the unity. Like there's a lot to be said for that, I feel. So there really yeah. is. San Diego needs it too. I mean, they're, they're all broken hearted because of the chargers or they're broken hearted because of this, but you know, we have a MLS team and um, 
And I called it a winning team yesterday because I think it's going to be a winning team even if they lose a lot of games. People are going to be so excited and happy to have that. Yeah. Uh, it's got to get pushed through. Yeah. Yes. I, I was two days ago in New York watching the New York City game. Mm-hmm. And they're playing at Yankee Stadium. Uh, and then you get there and it's like, oh, wow, I'm at this stadium, no, full of history, et cetera, et cetera. But you get into a baseball stadium. Right. Where they allowed this amazing team to play. But it feels weird. Mm-hmm. But because it's not like their home. Yeah, the, the atmosphere and, and isn't isn't there because of the stadium. It's completely different. Yeah. Even the grass is not the, the, the right grass for soccer. They were falling and falling and falling. and uh, it, it was crazy. Right. And and David Villa is playing there. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I I talked to him after the game and I told him, you have to tell me what is happening with the grass. And he was laughing. <laughs> then, oh, yeah, it's like a kind of, yeah. it's, it's a different kind. So, and I was thinking, how come these guys are here in New York doing this and we in San Diego, we can have the perfect plan for everything and it's not happening? It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to pass all the information. We pass it already to all our members, okay. more than 1,200. But That's we're awesome. going to push more and we're going to create a big noise about it. Well, that, sure. I know the, the people at Soccer City appreciate that. And, and you know, it's it's not just a soccer project. I think that's important to bring up as well. Um you know, there's entertainment. There's going to be parks. It's, and, it's, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's an outdoor kind of lifestyle, uh, you know, project and yeah the the mls piece of it is huge but it, it's something for the whole city but it's bigger it's way bigger yeah, yeah. i agree yeah so um so let's let's talk about um your your wish and your mission a little bit we'll spin it back to you know you can uh, whether it relates to the football factory but your your wish and, and maybe your mission for for soccer in san diego and what what you both want to impact mm, do you want to start my friend <laughs> i'll start all right well you know i spoke before about the fact that when i was little i wasn't allowed to play because i was a girl and um and i watched the girls at the football factory playing, getting stronger, getting confident. And, uh, my, my wish is, um, just to keep empowering girls, women, referees, players. I also talk a lot, you know, I'm a court reporter, but I also talk to young court reporters. I talk to young, I had talked to an MBA class last week at Nazarene, Nazarene college, mm-hmm. but just to empower everyone to know that they're great and that fear is a part of life is all about and you face your fears you do it anyway and you just get stronger and you'll be shocked how wonderful life can turn out if you just keep going forward on your path face your fears and do what you want to do that gives you joy and gives you happiness so i guess it's kind of a very broad wish and i truly believe that the football factory is a part of that at least from in my life watching those children grow and feel the joy of soccer yeah that's great. I love I love what you said about the fear is a part of life and you just got to you got to overcome it. And that, and that's that's the reality. <laughs> I mean, and the and the it's like yeah. the the sooner kids can face their fears or people can face their fears and go, "Hey, you know what? 
I got this. I I might be scared, yeah. but I got this. And that's, that's so powerful as they move forward in, in life, be it, be it in sport or in school or in jobs or whatever it may be. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie, do you play the violin? I don't play the violin. I did play for about a year when I was growing up. But Okay. Uh, what instrument you have never touched in your life, touched or seen closely? Um... What instrument have I not touched or seen closely? Probably, oh my goodness. Um, I, I'm not very musical. So pro- there's been a lot of instruments that, that, okay. that I, I could never play. So, okay, so like uh, the bassoon. Yeah that, that, yeah, that would be, I wouldn't know how to hold it. I wouldn't know the first thing okay. to do with a bassoon. Yeah, that's a so good one. Suppose that, that I go to your house, I, I give you one, I take one out of the case, put it together and I tell you, okay, you put your hand here, this hand here, and then you use this mouthpiece and then you do this. I give it to you. I pass it to you. You don't know how to hold it. And then I start yelling at you. Right. How would you feel? I would feel pretty bad and I would try my best, <laughs> but I would make really bad music with the bassoon. <laughs> well, I would probably, you, you, you would have every like, a, you would have, uh, no, you would have like every neighborhood animal running away because I would, <laughs> I would make the worst sound ever. But that, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, but that's why technique is important. Yeah. So if we're talking about joy and happiness and, and confidence, why we don't give them the tools? Right. You're absolutely right. Just give them the tools and that way they're going to enjoy this game because this game is so fun. It's crazy because it's 360 degrees Mm -hmm. up and down three dimensions and is complete uh, improvisation and creativity. Yeah, you can have a a, a tactic and a plan and a structure, of course. And you don't know, you know, you need the physical aspect. But everything changes in one second. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so fun. Yep. And I've seen kids that are 12 or 11 that have, they have been playing with clubs for six years and they don't know how to play. They have not experienced the joy of this game. And that's that's the part that, that upsets me the, the most. It's like, oh my God, this there are, there are a lot of coaches that they don't care about the kids and they, they don't see that they are losing their childhood and they just have one childhood, just one. Right. So it's a, it's, it, for, for us, it's a serious thing. It's, it's, it's not just a, a joke. So I, I agree with Rosalie uh, and we want to do something real and practical about it. Uh, and it works. We have seen the results. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and no matter if you're going to be a professional player or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just enjoying that experience that happens in that pitch. Yeah. Do you, and I'm going to put you guys on the spot for this, but um, do you, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, do you feel, <laughs> you can say uh, no comment, but within the youth soccer club culture, do you, do you feel like we've become, and I say we just, you know, cause we're all involved in the sport. Do you feel that we've become too much, of the business and not enough about the enjoyment and the, you know, teaching kids the soft skills. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? 
Wow. You can say no comment. You can say no comment. Definitely no comment. We could comment for two hours. But... <laughs> no, but for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a very fast answer. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's not everybody. There are great exceptions. Great. But mostly, it's just that. Yeah. And I heard that before we opened, when we started talking about it, uh, because we put our own money on this mm-hmm. and our own time and effort, and and it's a it's a, for me. I stopped doing what I was doing with music to do this, mm-hmm. so it was a big thing. Uh, so it's not fun to see that other other guys want to destroy you when you are putting everything on the line. Right. So the answer is yes, definitely yes. And and but you know what? That is going to change sooner or later, and if. Where I'm not interested in changing the whole thing, not that absolutely not, but someone someone else is going to do it. If we don't do it, someone else is going to do it because soccer is becoming extra big in the whole world, and particularly in this country. So tomorrow, Real Madrid gets here and open four academies, and guess what is going to happen, right? Right. So it's just a matter of time. But that's why we are like, hey, guys, why we don't start collaborating and doing something that is good for the kids and you can have your team and you can win and we do our thing and then everybody's happy. Right. But that that word collaboration, that word collaboration is so I love that word. And um, some myself and some of my friends, we always talk about that collaboration word and it's almost like taboo within (laughs) youth (laughs) sports you know because it's like no these are these are my players and this you know this is my club and it's like we're we're it's not you know it's not rocket science like the collaboration is is key in in anything that you do and yeah like people can be there's enough space for the people that are doing it right where if you can collaborate and 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 get stuff accomplished and treat the kids well and like you said, they can be, and be successful and, and be successful, you know, so that I mean, that collaboration piece is key. You know what part is, is really incredible that there's no collaboration. And if U.S. would be the world champion for three times in a row, OK, three World Cups, men and women champions, three in a row, but back to back, boom, 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 then OK. Because this is the place, and this is we're in the top of the world on this activity. Right. But guess what? With women, absolutely yes, they are the best by far. Right. But with men, wait a minute. It's like wait a minute. You and your club and your teams and this thing about not collaborating. Who are you in the real soccer scene in the world? Right. What is, I mean, really, what is happening? I don't see that your team is playing against Bayern Munich or Barcelona or Chelsea in Europe. I don't see that. So why you are acting that way? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rosalie's right. We could, we could talk for hours on it. And, you know, it, but yet we, we still love the game and we want to impact the game. And, we, and you know, I want to, I want to change some things within the game and, and make things better and collaborate. And, and that's, you know, that, that's kind of part of the reason why I'd, I'd want to do this podcast is I want to highlight th- 
things that great things that are going on within the soccer community, you know, like what you and Rosalie yeah. are doing or what other people are doing with, with other, um, within other organizations, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good. In there's the game. a lot of good. Yeah. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of success with that good. Yeah. So I think maybe some people are going to have to start paying attention and just understand that there is another way. And like Juan Carlos said, it's about the kids and, and growing up and having your childhood. You read stories about, I think in Ohio, where the parents weren't allowed to, for a whole Saturday, say one word on the field. They were so angry. But the kids, they interviewed the children afterwards and said they never felt like it was just so much fun. They were having fun. They didn't right. feel the stress of being yelled at yeah. for, you know, 40 minutes. So I, and I think people are going to get that. I really do. And I, I applaud you, Carrie, for having this podcast and sending oh, out this positive message. I've listened to your different segments and I like all of the different type, all the different people that you've had because they all have the same message. They all seem to say the same thing. And um, so thank you for putting the word out there. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of good. No, no problem. I'm, I'm loving doing it. And, you know, I, if one person listens to it and it, it speaks to them, it makes me happy. So, um, you should be happy then. Well, well thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in and, and, and following and, um, yeah. and, and, you know, I really appreciate what, what you're both doing and, and Rosalie, your, your refereeing career and story is, is just, it, it's just so inspiring. And, and, um, it, you know, the more people that can, can hear about it and learn about you, I feel is it's, it's going to help some of the young referees out there, whether they be male or female, you know, cause I think referees in general take a lot of abuse <laughs> and, yes. and the, the women specifically. And, and the one thing that, that I always try to do and is anytime I see a female referee or if I have a female referee, um, who officiates any of my games, I make it a point to say, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Like good job and, and rock on sister. Cause you know, they, they need to hear it. They need to know that, that people are watching and supporting and, and want, want yeah, women to do wow. well in, in their roles. I absolutely. can promise you, I can promise you, Carrie, you saying that means a lot because very few people really do. And so I can, I can promise that that female referee that you said that to, um, goes home feeling good about themselves. And, uh, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, no problem. I mean, and I believe, I mean, like I said, referees, we couldn't play if we didn't have the referees and, and I, they yeah. are an integral part of the game and get I a beautiful, we're probably the most important part of the game. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you're you're well. very, you're very, 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 very important. Hey, but okay. <laughs> Juan Carlos is like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> no, I I respect that. I mean, I could never do that. Yeah, uh, and that's a very good way to to lower a crazy player. It's like, why you don't do it for thirty minutes and then tell me what you think? Yeah, it's a very difficult it is. activity. It is. So, yeah. No, we we have to support every part of the game. Yeah. No. Uh, and and I, don't, I mean, when a ref makes a call, she or he, she made it, period. Yeah. It's not going to change. I've never won so, an argument with a referee in all my years of coaching. Never. <laughs> never, never, ever. Never. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we're starting to wind down here. Um, do you guys want to let us know how to get a hold of you or... 
um you, if you want to get a if you want to give shout outs to anybody any any people out there in the in the world well, I salute all soccer referees, um, and I love George Nujam and Kelly Mock and what they do for the female referees and for all the referees in California, John Motto, so what he does for the referees throughout the United States. And uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of the, the Football Factory, check out our website at you know footballfactory.us. We've got some video and just some interesting information. And uh, I salute all soccer players. Keep on feeling the joy. Love it. Juan Carlos? Yes. Uh, no, the, this is uh, something that is, is growing, but we have to keep uh, doing our part. Uh, soccer is like, a, it's huge, but it's like a huge baby. Uh, there are still many things that are needed. and It has to develop and grow. And it's, it's, it's big and it's, it's healthy and it's pink and it's smiling, but it's still a baby. Yeah. So let's let's help to to make uh, to helping to grow uh, healthy and 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 the right in the right way. Right, I agree. And you guys also have the Football Factory has a Facebook page, so check them out on Facebook. I just went on your page and liked yes. it. So. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you both for being on Women Talking Football. And uh, Rosalie, I'll probably be seeing, well, hopefully I'll be seeing both of you at uh, the June 19th mm-hmm. city council meeting. And, and we'll be in touch definitely between now and then. Um, thanks for all you both do for the soccer community. And thank you for taking your time to being on Women Talking Football, which is presented by Soccer Nation and supported by Soccer Loco. You can find Women Talking Football on Facebook, um, on Twitter at at WoTalkFootball, or at, on our website at WomenTalkingFootball.com. So thank you both again for being on. Carrie Taylor with Women Talking Football. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm partial to soccer because I'm passionate about it. I know when I was growing up, we didn't have strong, confident female role models. I followed my big brother around. He's two years older than me, and whether it was playing street hockey, tackle football, you name it, I was always on his heels dying to get in the game. Say you're going in the wrong direction because it was halftime, and we switched our our direction, and I forgot about that. And uh, (laughs) I was on this, like, dead, like, you know, breakaway. You can get five coaches in the same room, and we all thought five different opinions on maybe how Kerry Taylor was as a player. <laughs> I was a great, I was a great player. And then when I got off the field, she would say, "You did so great. I loved watching you play. No matter, I could have the worst game of my life." And it was the president of the soccer, Deaf Soccer Association asking if I'd be interested in the, in the volunteer job that was the head, head coach of the Deaf team. And I actually was extremely excited. I'm Carrie Taylor, and this is Women Talking Football.